Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Welcome to Meeting Melkmas, a pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD here, back for another episode of uh, the podcast, the one that's called Meeting Malcolmus. I hope you're, um, I hope you're well. Uh, it's been a rough go of things for old JD, and uh, as such, I haven't checked in. I know the show is technically done, but I like to check in with y'all, and I haven't done that. But I hope you're well, and uh, it's autumn here in Toronto. It's full-on autumn. It was uh, 20 degrees today, though, which is a lovely autumn day. The sun was out, so I managed to get in a beautiful walk and uh, look at the colorful trees and all that shit. And it was, uh, it was really, you know, quite fucking magnificent. So there's that. I have got a barn burner of an episode for you today. It is, uh, well, they're always pavement themed, but this one is focusing a little bit on a couple different things. We're going to talk about the pavement tour that has been going on and ended yesterday in the U.S. Uh, It's getting ready to, you know, pack up the tent and uh, cross the Atlantic, the big, you know, the big pond to uh, to the right of me. So that should be cool. Uh, For those of you who don't live in America or Toronto, uh, you know, something tells me we're in for more pavement. This this is a great this is a great tour, but I I can see them doing something really uh, soon again. I, I, by soon, I mean five years or so. Because um, this is a winter tour, and. There's a lot of cities that have been missed. Even here in Canada, Montreal and Vancouver didn't get hit. Uh, you could do more cities in Canada if you wanted, but it's it's uh, it's difficult to to make all the stops in Canada for whatever reason. I mean, it really shouldn't be. It's just there's not as many cities between the other cities. It's a day between cities, basically. Not like the south of me where... There's this isn't this isn't geography class. I'm not going. I'm not going there. I'm not going to keep talking about it. But um, yeah, there's probably lots of cities in Europe that aren't aren't getting the love either. So I I don't know. I just had that thought. So there's that. I am getting ready to pack up and head over the uh, pond to the right of me as well. Uh, I'm flying into Glasgow, Scotland, uh, on Monday and it'll be the 17th then Monday, the 17th, 
2022, just in case somebody from the future is listening to this and they don't know, you know? Um, so there, uh, going to be some fun to be had. I, I, I do think, um, I've reached out to several of you and several of you have reached out to me and, you know, maybe we'll be connecting. Um, I hope we're, I hope we're connecting. If, if you want to connect, <laughs> send me an email, jd at mediumalchemist.com. I would love to grab a beer at a, a, a pub that is, uh, you know, worthy of being called a pub, quite frankly. We have pubs here, but they, they don't look like pubs there. They're not like pubs there. So there is that. The other portion of this uh, extravaganza, you know what? I'm going to fucking call it an extravaganza. This is an extravaganza. I'm going to talk to Tim from Portland about the tour. And then I've got a, an interview with Dave Gebro from Discography. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Discography, but if you're not, you should be. This is a great podcast that just completed a six fucking episode arc on our favorites pavement uh dave sat down with uh bob and they basically well the conceit of the show is that uh <laughs> the conceit of the show is that it's a discography review of well he says every band that ever existed now i think that's just fucking exhausting <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a that's a that's a that's that's a lot of work that's a lot of work dave what are you thinking anyway yeah so um again the conceit is uh, a discography review of every band ever uh ever created and they rate each album b-side ep they do deep fucking dives they do deep dives. Uh, anyway, really cool. And the one that's coming up uh, this week, he sits down with Lou Barlow, and um, which I think is really cool. I'm not even, you know, down with the band necessarily that they are talking about, which is the Zombies. Um, but I think I might listen, you know, just to just to hear them jam with uh lou barlow that's fucking pretty cool right okay so that's what we got for you this week i'm gonna just jump right into this and uh we're gonna play some music too uh tim from portland had a recorder and he recorded both toronto shows so the tracks that you're gonna hear come from the shows that happened on the 26th and 27th of september at massey hall in toronto and I just said Toronto. Like, what is happening to me? You just don't say it that way. You don't say it that way. Good fucking Lord. Oh, this is Frontwards, live from Massey Hall in Toronto on Meeting Malkmus, a pavement podcast.
right, we are now joined by the infamous Tim from Portland. Tim, we've seen a lot of shows together this year. We started at the Fonda, we went to Porto, and then you came up here to Toronto for a couple days, and we saw a couple shows at Massey Hall. And that's what we're here to talk about today, uh, is this U.S. portion of the tour before they venture across the Atlantic and and blow people's minds uh, overseas. Tim, how are you doing? Doing great, JD. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun. It's been a fun tour. I'll, I'll add, I did also see uh, Night One in San Francisco, and um, I saw the Portland show, which actually was in Troutdale. And yeah, they were they were all super fun. And you know, I was uh, home the past day night watching the Austin action with Austin City Limits and that show, and was. You know, wishing we were there. It looked looked super fun, uh, but man, it really has been a fun tour to witness. There has been a lot of uh, wishing, you know, because uh, like when they did the four night sin in Brooklyn as well, I was like, God damn it, we should have went to New York, you know, like exactly um, to see that pavement museum and you know deal with that. That would have been really spectacular. Um, Austin would have been great fun as well, you know, to, to do the ACL and, and, and check that out. Um, what did you think? Let's work backwards. What did you think of the, uh, the Austin show that you watched? Well, uh, like on, show, online. Yeah. The Austin show was, was on the big screen here in my basement and cranked and, you know, everyone was, a uh, going, what the heck's going on in the house tonight? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was super fun to watch. It reminded me a little bit of the. HBO special that the guys got filmed at in San Diego, I think in 99, which I went to. And um, at that show, there was a little bit of kind of camera awkwardness. And I think the recent Austin City Limits show, you know, at first it was kind of like focused on almost Malcolm's face a lot. And, you know, there was some awkward camera stuff, but it was also very Austin City Limits. It was just kind of classic filming. So that, that to me, made it seem super great that the guys were on there, that this was like etched in stone as a Austin City Limits episode and that they made it to that level, which I think is just totally appropriate. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to see it. Um, well, you I, I was doing Canadian Thanksgiving that night. And so I missed it, but uh, I intend on watching it maybe before this episode comes out. But um, let's let's start back. Uh, you said you you went to a show in San Francisco. The tour, of course, kicked off in San Diego, which is your stomping ground. But you didn't do that. You went to San Francisco. Yeah, I, I you know toyed with going to San Diego, and uh, I don't know, I'm I'm down there a lot, and just kind of chose to be with other friends in San Francisco and saw night one and it was super fun. It was pretty loose. It was pretty loose, felt a little bit candid just in between songs with banter. Um, you know, uh, spiral talked about his uh, dad being in the crowd and, you know, all the, you know, guys were kind of, I guess, spiral and Malcolmus were talking about it being kind of a hometown show. So that made it feel a little extra special. Um, we were, Front row in front of Spiral, so it was just you know epic viewing and super fun, really really good. 
Um, but I have to say, the show before that that we saw together in L.A. last May, I don't know, J.D., out of the six I saw, that one was really good. It was the first one. It just, oh, it was just such a fun show. I wonder, I wonder if it was such a good show because we were sort of blown away while they were loose that night and they were having a lot of fun. It was the tightest I've ever up until that point that I've ever seen the band, you know, like they, they were so polished, but not in a, not in a horribly, um, blase kind of way. Like it was polished. Like they had rehearsed, they had, they had, they had put some, put some work in and it really showed on the stage. I thought, yeah, well, you know, they rehearsed for a while, spell there in Portland, kind of just down the road from me. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, I knew exactly. I've been to that studio, and it was just one of those things where I just chose to not, you know, creep on the guys. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> but be- yeah, the, you know, they got good practice in, which they, I don't think, did all the time. Um, they seemed a bit more pro kind of out the gates you know some yeah. bands you see and you i just feel like with certain performers they're just i don't know they reach this level of uh, for lack of a better word to professionalism and it's just like oh they just did it that night but the other thing that night that we got in la that first tour stop in may the kickoff was we got i think the longest set list of the tour I believe I, it was 31 songs. I think I don't you're right. Think they, yeah, I don't think they've reached 30 uh, on other stops. And also, um, one, you know, pleasant experience there was Westy. He just, he has killed it every show. But that first show in May in L.A., he was so good on drums, and it was kind of like, fuck, Westy is killing it on drums. Um the other notable for me was there was a handful of songs where Malcolmus really got into the vocals and he got a little snarly, kind of reminded me of like Stooges or I don't know, um, early Ramones. He just got a little throaty and vocally and I thought, oh man, Steve's voice for the tour is going to be great. And it definitely has. It, it it really has been like, I, I think they've all really shined for the most part. Um, you know, uh, again, that, that, that couple weeks they spent in Portland, but then you figure they were rehearsing individually, you know, leading up to those, uh, to those dates in Portland. Um, and you know, that has really paid off as well. Like in, in my time talking to spiral, uh, you know, he'll be like, Oh, I'm working on this song right now, or I'm working on this song. And it's like, I think they've just been really excited to, to play that LA show must've been like a dam bursting for them because it was, it was two years in the making, you know, for sure. Pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think they killed it. Yeah. It was super fun. The San Francisco show I saw night one, I only went to one, um, you know, they're pretty loose, like I was just saying. Super fun, but pretty loose. Um, the, the I guess the next show, well, we, we kind of skipped Porto there, which we should talk about. But the show I saw in Portland in Troutdale was really fun. It was outdoor venue. It was pretty big. Um, the band was great. The 
opener, Gorilla Toss, who I really enjoyed, were fantastic, really fun band. You know, I met a couple of them afterwards, great folks from Brooklyn. And um, yeah, I was just totally pleased with that show. I went with um, a couple friends who play in a band. I'll just pitch them 40 feet tall, super great new newish band and they hadn't seen pavement heard them a bit so super fun to bring they had never they had never seen them they'd never seen them play i mean there's a guys in their 30s you know so right of course they'd never seen them play and they were you know pleasantly surprised they loved bob you know experiencing bob for the first time it's something pretty special when i watched austin city limits the other night um, actually with my wife, she's never seen them play live. So that was in essence, her first live pavement show was Austin city limits. And she just said, I think Bob's got the best job in the band. I, I think I, he's I, got the, I'll take it one step <laughs> further. I think he's got the best fucking job in the world. <laughs> yeah. She was like, you know, I would just be Bob. I would be totally happy being Bob. And um, aside from the first part of Austin City Limits, like the first half of the show, I think Bob's vocals were way too quiet, but they definitely picked yeah, it up. You know, it up. yeah, it's but you know, it was it was so fun to watch her experience pavement for the first time because I've seen them. I don't know, I've seen them at least twelve times. I haven't really counted, unlike some of our pavement fans on the the Facebook thing. Oh yeah, there are keeping there are tally, who have seen them. I, I use setlist.fm, so I have an account at setlist.fm, and I log all my concerts on there, so I, I get to see you know when I've seen them, and then I can compare my personal set lists and things like that. That's kind of fun. But um, on that note, what have you thought so far of the set lists that you've seen and the set lists that you have seen for shows that you haven't been to? Sure. What, sure. what are you thinking well, about that? Well, the you know the amount of songs that have been played twenty times or or more are they're starting to stack up there, but it's not too many. You know, there's like the, I don't know less than twenty songs that have been played at twenty shows. So I think that's pretty cool. It's it's a little bit of a question mark for me to consider out of I think thirty two shows they've only played stereo 27 times and i imagine there's somebody going to one of those five shows just like waiting for stereo but yes. you can't play you can't play all the hits you can't satisfy everybody uh, but there's been a few i mean there's been a few i've not heard that i've listened to online or you know through somebody's recording or video that have been amazing um just throw out there like pueblo has been really cool to hear Spizzle Trunk, you know, some of the rarity stuff. Um, yeah. Fame, fame Thrower, I love. Debris Slide. I think we heard Debris Slide, actually. Yep. But that hasn't been played much. Um, yeah, there's just been a handful. Some of my um, favorites, for sure, have been Type Slowly. I love when the guys get in a groove. And I've noticed um, a definite symbiosis between Stephen Malcolmus and Steve West. Like usually in bands and rock and roll bands, the drummer and the bass player are kind of the backbone of it all. And I think pavement is that because Eibold and Westy are like constant glue. They're just, you know, they've been playing 
damn near perfectly, but there's something between Westy and Malcolmus that's a extra special between those guys. And I really saw that happen with type slowly a few times and a few of the recordings out there have hit the nine minute mark, which just brings me joy. You know, I love their two to three minute songs. Of course, you know, there's plenty on wowie zowie, but when the guys hit multi, you know, above five minutes, there's just the, the, I hate to say this, but it's the jam part of me that just thinks, keep going guys, keep going guys. Absolutely. You know, it's it's one of the reasons I like uh, SM solo stuff. You know that that jammy nature of it, For and sure. it, it's really cool to see to see Pavement. You know, be able. I'll I'll say it like to be able to do that. You know, yeah. because in the past, yeah. in the past, I don't know that you always got that. Um, you know, those extended jam outs or those extended outros. Like, uh, I. I just don't think you got it because they weren't uh, in in sync, you know, to to bring up a, a '90s boy band. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's the, there's been other songs, of course. Harness your hopes has been played a ton. Yep, and and I've heard it's like the song for the kids because of the whole algorithm thing with Spotify, which is right. super cool. Um, you know, and one other kind of shocker at. I don't know, shocker, but just great surprise at the first LA show was how many people were singing. Just brought joy to my heart. I saw one Facebook comment that was, you know, is the tour just like Pearl Jam? Are people just singing with all this passion and too loud? I really hope they aren't singing. And I don't think it's like that. You know, I think people are singing along quite a bit, especially, you know, no big hair. Um, but there, I don't know. It's the essence of pavement, which in its bone marrow of the band to me, it's kind of like this really unique example of punk rock. It's just the guys, you know, if you watch early videos of them, there's a, there's an interview of them at the, um, reading, reading, reading festival in Leeds and they're not answering any questions seriously. They're just making up shit. <laughs> and on stage, I think they're not making up stuff, but they're also, you know, being very pavement. They are not there to prove themselves. They're there to have fun. They're there to bring, I mean, us joy. That's why we've gone to so many shows. Yeah. And, um, and just, they've just been killing it. So it's been so fun. That's in part, you know, why I was looking at all this Austin stuff happening and saw, you know, set lists from the Brooklyn shows thinking, God damn, I could go to more shows. Let's keep playing the lottery. Yeah. Well, I bought a ticket today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I didn't expect. You know, when I knew the tour was coming, I thought, where should I see them play? Um, and, you know, the Primavera in Porto, I had bought tickets for pre-COVID, you know, the first iteration. When they first announced they were going to play Porto and Barcelona, I bought tickets to Porto. I was going to take my son there for his high school kind of graduation deal. Let's go to Portugal and, and tour a little bit and go see Primavera. So it was really fun to finally get there and experience that festival for the first time. 
Um, funny side note there, as we were getting ready to go across a major crosswalk, I hope Malcolmus listens to this, but who knows? And uh, we were on the damn bird scooters. And there on the corner was uh, Malcolmus and Kim Gordon sitting there, like waiting for an Uber or something. Oh, and man. We had, and we had this hilarious, quick banter back and forth and Steve kind of yelled at us, you know, we weren't, uh, we weren't illegally crossing the street, but we were definitely going too fast on the scooters. And he, he, he threw a little harassment at us. It was so fun and funny and it was so exciting. I mean, that just like made me so psyched to see all the great bands at that festival, which I highly recommend anyone to go to uh, next year if they have it there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I heard lots of, a feedback about Barcelona being, you know, overpacked and, you know, a bad experience. Uh, even uh, Pete from Malaga was, um, you know, talking about his experience there and, and he didn't have a great experience. Um, you know, beer lines being long, bathroom lines being long. But that was the exact opposite experience that I had in, in Porto. Like, I thought it was so well run. Yeah, uh, never had to dream. never had to worry about bathrooms. Like it was, <laughs> it was fine. Old JD and I and Dan from London posted up for pavement. I don't know, probably twenty five meters from a, a a beer stand and twenty five meters from the porta potties. It was That's perfect. Right. It was absolutely <laughs> perfect. What a great night that was, oh, and, a, so and, a, and a great set as well. But let's jump into Toronto because I think that, uh, and I just said Toronto like somebody who doesn't live here, but uh, whatever. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think we were really treated to two fabulous nights. Night one was the hits and night two was some deeper cuts that they've been playing. Um, the, I mean, they opened night one with Cut Your Hair. So that sort of that that sort of foretold what we were going to get right off the bat and it didn't it didn't stop like it didn't stop it was it was a tour de force it was a great great show but I think I liked night 2 more I I would agree with you I had a lot of fun of course at both um Massey Hall is fucking gorgeous you know it was just a beautiful place to be the crowd was as into it as i hope them to be into it you know it just pains me to go to see a band that i love and see half the people sitting but yeah. uh, but night two was awesome you know they opened with our singer which they opened they have opened a few times with our singer and it's just such a i don't know it's just a, like an easy introduction to their live experience to see Steve and Steve out there just kind of jamming with each other and the rest of the band slowly coming out. Um, yeah, it was fun. They played Linden. They played Date with Ikea. You know, they played quite a few um, Grave Architecture, quite a few songs that I was just really happy to hear. Uh, it was it was super. Yeah. And, and they, you know, they told some funny stories. You know, Steve was sort of harassing, uh, SM was sort of harassing uh, uh, Eibold and, and Spiral, or Eibold and Westy, I suppose, for marrying Canadians. 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's what he said anyway. Uh, well, yeah, he, he, uh, he said, you know, we have some, something like some Canadian roots, you know, a couple of the guys have married into your fair country. And of course, Spiral chimes in. I, I married into the Commonwealth too. You know, <laughs> was, right. that, was, that was, that was great. Yeah. There was, there was some fun banter, you know, they really complimented Toronto and, I think I think third they were best call, city. Think third they best were city. calling it the third best city, the best city in all of Canada. And um, you know, I've only been well, I've not been to Quebec yet, but it's a great city. I mean, it was really fun for me to experience Toronto for the first time. We could do a whole show just about that. But it was hilarious to hear the guys talk about it and um, really kind of enjoy their their time there, which yeah. you know influences how they perform for sure. Well, they had a day off here, which was so fun for me, you know, like, uh, I was bantering with them, you know, through text and, you know, just trying to get a sense of what they were doing on their day off. Right. Like, um, and, and, you know, um, like where, where I wasn't going to ask them where they were staying, but uh, you know, it made me very curious, like what part of the city are they staying in and are they seeing the best parts and are they eating good food and you know, all the rest of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was sensitive to that, I suppose, but the shows themselves were just, uh, great. I got to show off that I knew people. We walked up to the box office of Massey hall and somebody that I went to university with was working there. So, you know, Tim gets to see JD, like, know somebody right off the bat that was kind of cool for me mm-hmm. um that never that never happens uh <laughs> but in this case it did and um and again what was the name of the band that opened the second night they're from chicago uh i can't recall their name right now but they were really good as well that was uh Cir- circuit de you and um they are from chicago they were fabulous they're they're this you know really kind of dark heavy um the the singer has this amazing vocal range can go all the way down to baritone i did get to chat a bit with their violinist after the show she was just fabulous person and um just really fun to talk to about places they've played in portland that was the first time i had got to experience them but to see their singer come out into the crowd and um, that's why around and and kind of just i don't know I've got it mixed up. They were night one, weren't they? Oh. And then Gorilla Toss was night two. Okay, there you go. Is that right? I I think, yeah, I think they were night one. Because, yeah, she was uh, otherworldly. Yeah, she was was kind of uh, serenading us and putting a spell on us at the same time. Gorilla Toss, I can't say enough good things about. They are just these fun kids on the rise. They... Um, have a, a fairly unique sound. The, the Cassie on vocals has, you know, she's doing effects with her vocals. Um, their drummer just, he's, you know, it's, it's really fun for me to hear a drummer uh, actually sing backups or talk in between songs. You know, often the drummer is just like the chassis of the band, but um, I can't say enough good stuff about Gorilla Toss. Highly recommend them. Yeah. So, any tour highlights at this point for you? Well, uh, they've all been fun. You know, I would love to have amassed six more. Um, I really 
really grew fond of Wichita Toe, which we heard at that first show in LA last May. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just, you know, it was amazing to experience a new song and hear it a couple times on tour uh, with the reading on the background of that. It's, you know, pretty special experience. Um, Toronto night one, I did go backstage after the show and hung out a bit, you know, it was, uh, hanging out backstage is kind of one of these weird things where you know a lot about the band and they don't know shit about you. And, um, you know, I just, uh, got to talk to Westy a bit. He was, he was kind of easiest for me in my somewhat inebriation <laughs> and starstruckedness, if that's a word. Sure. Um, yeah, I got to hang out with Eibold a tiny bit. He was, drawing kind of graffitiing on some Amazon package, you know, he was, he was just kind of hanging around, uh, had a minute with spiral, um, got to say hi to Malcolmus and just basically told him great show and complimented his jacket, which was totally lame and, you know, silly, but I used to kind of be in the outdoor industry with all things jackets so he he was just he, he was just uh this you know kind of suave easygoing smiley guy i don't know i've met malchemus uh four or five times and um he's just a super sweet dude he's 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 easy to chat with and uh you know fun guy intellectual of course you could probably talk about just about anything so yeah, getting backstage was cool. Um, it was that was a fun experience for me. So yeah, that yeah, was just great. It was just great, all of it. Oh, that's cool. Well, it was really great to experience that with with you in in Toronto and uh, you know LA Indeed. and Port and Porto as well. Wish you were coming to the UK. That would be great. Mm. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess uh, I'm, I'm flying solo. I'm going yeah, to we'll, we'll, see some people there, but, um, you know, I might just throw it out to the, yeah, I, I might just throw it out to the universe and see if I can magically appear in, in London. You know, there are some direct flights from Portland or Seattle. So oh. who the hell knows? Oh, wow. That would be a cool surprise. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Like the, as far as the, U, the Europe tour, I thought anywhere in the UK is going to be great. Cause you know, they have a huge fan base there as you know, with the pod. Um, I, for whatever reason, I, romance, something I've always wanted to see them in Paris have not, um, Paris there was a period, yeah, there was a period there <clears throat> when there were tickets available for Copenhagen and not expensive flights. And that's never been on my radar for shows, you know, obviously for, for being a tourist, but I was, you know, for a minute I was on the verge of pulling the trigger of Copenhagen, didn't do it. Um, but what I would probably choose right now are the last two. If I could go to anywhere on the Europe tour, I'd, I'd hit Dublin. I think it would be so oh, fun, super fun to see them in Dublin. I mean, sheesh. What's, what's not to say about going to Dublin to see Pavement play? It's, yeah. where, they've wrap, it's where they've wrapped up before, so. Yeah, they definitely were strategic in their planning, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and let's just comment on that real quick. Whoever's been coordinating this tour, from the merch, the pennants, the interviews, I mean, 
Malcolm's interview on the Canadian station the other day, uh, forgetting the name of it, but it was yeah, was an amazing interview. It's great questions. Um, the museum, hello. Had I known about that happening in New York, I probably would have bought tickets for the Brooklyn shows. But the museum to coordinate that in several locations, I think New York and London, and you know back going back and having it, I guess, permanently on display in Stockton. That's uh, far out, right? I mean, we haven't yeah. talked about that at all. Like that's, yeah. that's really interesting that they're going to yeah. do that. I wonder where it's going to be in Stockton. Like, uh, Who knows? Hopefully a strip mall. Um, yeah. But aside from that, you know, there's a film in the making. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been filming the tour, but it sounds like there's a new documentary in the making, which I think has been somewhat successful for them in the past. So I can't wait to see that. But I, I just got to give props to whomever has been kind of the maestro of like, let's really do this tour in a big, fun, fan focused way. You know, it's it's just been great. It's been really impressive. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Tim, it's been a blast, and uh, I'll definitely uh, do my best to send you a postcard, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. We'll we'll talk soon, okay? Hey, let's let's listen to some of the Toronto recordings I got. For those of you out there, I'll be posting some of my recordings soon. I've I dabble in live recordings, and my Toronto shows turned out pretty good. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. What what song should we play right now? Ooh. If everyone can bear type slowly, I mean, I'd listen to that song. Let's do it. This is Type yeah, Slowly, live from Massey Hall on Meeting Malkmus, a pavement podcast. Dreams and they'll come true.
All right. That was Type Slowly. A really fucking cool jam. Uh, turned out really well. Don't you think? God damn it. All right. I am about to sit down with the encyclopedic. I mean, the guy is essentially an encyclopedia. In case you didn't know what encyclopedic meant. Uh, you know, you can flip through his pages and you can learn about zebras. You can learn about fucking asteroids. You can learn about fucking, well, mainly music. It's music. This guy's all about music. And I think you're really going to dig what he's got to say about our faves pavement and uh, all the rest of it. So there's that. Now, uh, this is my conversation with Dave Gebro. But before that, let's check out another song from Massey Hall. This is Father to a Sister of Thought on Meeting Malkmus, a pavement podcast.
Yeah. Um, Dave, how are you doing, man? JD, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> not, not, at the moment, I'm very awake, and I'm all my sensory input is uh, locked in place. But man, am I tired? Well, you didn't hear me say this in the introduction, but you know, I I, I said that you were virtually an encyclopedia, so it's got to be tough carrying all those pages around in that noggin of yours. <laughs> well, with pavement, it's not uh, you know, it's not any kind of sense recall that I need to dig for. It's it's always there. I mean, they're they're a band that I would imagine a guy who has a podcast entirely devoted to them, uh, where you probably don't even run out of things to say about them <laughs> that, that that you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about this episode is, I you know, the conceit of the podcast was that I was going to go through each of the songs in Pavement's catalog week over week with a goal of perhaps someday meeting Malcolmus. So it ended, I ended up wrapping the show about 10 episodes ago, but I keep doing drop-ins and check-ins because there's so much more to say, you know? But yeah, my, how, my how final episode. Uh, it was the 114th episode where I actually got an hour with Steve. So that was, uh, you know, oh, that's that was, great. That that's was great. a lot of fun. Still haven't met him. I've had two-fifths of the band on as guests. I know you have. You've, you, yeah. Well, let's hold off on the podcast talk and uh, continue diving into your pavement origin story. <clears throat> uh, like I cover a great detail in the, in the actual podcast uh, throughout, uh, you can hear that I am a super fan. You, you don't get a sense of objectivity from me over this series. <laughs> Plus, the longest that we've ever gone on any single artist, uh, it was three episodes, and we shattered Mar that. Marvin Gaye, right? Marvin Gaye, we did um, Sly, I did Sly and the Family Stone over three episodes. Oh, that's cool. Um, there might have been there might have been another. I, I, it's not coming to mind, but you know, six was a big one. I have Black Sabbath coming up. That's going to be four episodes. Oh wow! But you know, with Pavement, I, I honestly was not planning that. I went in. Um, well, we want to keep it centered on Pavement, not the podcast. Okay, so in the early nineties. I'm going to venture to say it was probably early 92 is when I found out that there was this band that was recording really cool shit, but you had to like pierce through a veil of static uh, and hiss to be able to hear it. And it just sounded very mysterious. And, um, you know, now there's, you know, very little mystery left to it. But at the time, that trail of seven inches and in EPs that led inexorably to Slanted and Enchanted was a very exciting walk to take if you were taking it at that time. Um, to, to me personally, that intensity of, oh my God, we we finally have a band that's uh, singing what, what we're thinking, uh, that for me anyway, stopped around 95 and they just became a great band for the right. remainder for me. <clears throat> but, you know, that's not a slight. Because for several years, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they were the the Rosetta Stone. I mean, if you needed wisdom for that time or needed to have some kind of explanation why, you know, potentially I was grappling with the idea of ambition, um, why would I have problems with the idea of being ambitious? Well, 
they were vocalizing these things for me. Why would, you know, advice to the graduate? I mean, that song came out a year after I left college. So oh, it's wow. like, it's like I was coming up through my life neck and neck with these guys. Um, and the only other people I was finding that with, the only other artists were Lou Barlow, uh, Guided by Voices around that time, um, and Early Beck. Wow. Early Beck. Early Beck. Yeah. Anything pre, uh, I mean, still, you know, just like Pavement, I still kept liking him. Sure. But from Odelay on, he was no longer singing things that were going through my head. He was just making great records. Gotcha. Interesting. I like that idea of, you know, sort of uh, being an avatar for uh, a band, being an avatar for for a generation, or in this case, you know, a very specific portion of that generation. I think that's fucking really cool. Well, I mean, you know, the lazy notion goes that it was Nirvana. Yes. Yes. But, of course. And they're a great band. We did a, a an awesome episode on them. And I, I listened I, to that. That was great. You did? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very detailed. And, uh, but they weren't, they weren't, um, you know, putting words to my feelings. Gotcha. Yeah. So how about, uh, how about you? I mean, what, what was the year for you? Oh, everybody's heard my story at this point, but I was late, late, late to the party. Got a jet. I'm sorry. Let me, let me shut this door. It's a, I'm in a goddamn flight path. Oh, that's all right. All right. Fucking I was audio. Fucking was audiophile like, nightmare. This is I'm tr what I'm trying to do is recreate the static of sleigh tracks for authenticity <laughs> purposes. <laughs> I was like, does this guy got sound effects? What's going on here? By the way, look at this shit. It's a it's a wake and bake mug. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um so um, you know, I think, you know, just to kind of tie it together, I think I went in expecting a regular discography. To uh, show which to, which to me is to tell the guest it'll take about an hour and a half, knowing full well it there's no way it's going to end before three and a half hours have gone by. That's like the minimum. Um, but with Bob, it, at four hours we had gotten to just the beginning of Wowie Zowie, so uh, I think the reason for that is he could tell it's, this was not going to be a dry interview. <clears throat> In fact, the unedited tapes. The idea was this is a conversation. This is not an interview. Right. And it, so, it feels that way. So I, you know, I'm consistently interrupting him. He's consistently interrupting me. If you listen to it, it's heavily edited. But if you listen to it without the editing, it's it really comes across like we're just kind of like vomiting these things out toward each other. And I don't know. That's kind of how I felt about it. And there were, you know, certain... Uh, things that we had in common that were very odd. The fact that we're both type 1 diabetics, but we're actually type 1.5, which is very rare. Um, uh, and also, I saw uh, the June 18th, 1992 show at the Axis in Boston that haunts Bob as an animal lover that uh, where Gary was, Gary Young was releasing lobsters in the audience. Oh my God. You were there for that. I was there for that, yeah. Wow. Well, I can tell you that they, you know, you asked me earlier about my story and it's like, it's going to blow your mind because I didn't come to them until Terror Twilight. Like it was like, 
late wow. and I'm 48. So like I was in, I was in the cohort that would have absolutely picked them up in 92 or 93, right. you know, definitely for slanted, but for some reason it just all went over my head. It just wasn't so there. You hadn't heard them or I had heard, heard, you know, from time to time I saw cut your hair and I, and I dug it, but there was no internet or anything like that to, to do the research. I didn't have a record store. I didn't have a turntable. So I didn't have that. I didn't have that person, you know, that could say, dude, you need to hear this, you know, or, or, and I certainly wasn't the person like, I'm not like you at all. This is, this is why I said to you that time I was like, Oh God, you would hate my show. My show is, you know, it's me just ambling on, um, you know, about how I feel about, you know, this music and, uh, it, it's, um, are you from Canada? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, um, I could do, I could do a killer Gordon Lightfoot episode with you. Oh, I would have, I could probably find somebody. I could probably find somebody for you because I'm terrible at research is, is basically the thing. The mantra of my show is that I'm uncool and underqualified to be doing this. Well, you know, what's, well, well, I don't think that matters at all. I mean, for me, the you know the, the draw to the podcast is that I'm not some you know wank off muso son of a bitch that's going to talk about bar chords and you know the uh, tech stuff and I don't care about that stuff. So <clears throat> it's not that I don't care about it. I don't want to delve into it at great length. I want to talk about the emotions that these things provoke. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. so. But I think that's very valuable because the the language that music critics use is very exclusionary, and it, yeah. it, you know, and um, so to me, this is a new style of doing it. Uh, Lester Bangs uh, is uh, you know has a tremendous amount of literary skill to have pulled off what he did, but the idea of you know inserting yourself into the story. Um, you know, that to me is, uh, you know, has been very crucial to the work that I do. You can, you could tell the, the discography set list as it were, like the number of episodes you have. I listened to Velvet Underground and I listened to Nirvana. And then of course I listened to the pavement one. I haven't listened to the Scott, uh, like the spiral stairs one yet. Um, the Roxy music one. Uh, but that's on my, in my queue. Um, and then, my, my all-time favorite might be the two band episodes. Yeah? Yeah, okay. just because our guest was Bob Forrest, uh, and there was a... he. <clears throat> first of all, that's a very emotional... So as a Canadian, maybe you can understand, but, but uh, it, it was a very, very emotional trawl for me to go through everything, and, and you know, I was often crying listening to this stuff and trying to make sense of their time together as a band, that really is <clears throat> more than anything what what I strive to do in the show because for years, this is how I've been listening to music. So I have a list, a written list of all the, uh, the bands I'm currently listening to. Sometimes I'm just <clears throat> getting to know a record and if I get to know it well enough, boom, it disappears into my music pile and potentially never to be seen again. But I do trawls where I'll go through sequentially from beginning to end, go through an, an artist's entire discography, get a sense of what that overall arc is. And that's something <clears throat> that the artists themselves might not even pick up on. 
Yeah, you mentioned that to Bob. I thought that was really yeah. interesting because, you know, it is like you've got this uh, you've got this seven hundred foot view. You know that that uh, you can look down and see it all, and you know, and then you can read the supplementary text if if you need to uh, to to get a sense of you know when major things happen in the timeline. And yeah, if if you dig this kind of stuff. You gotta check out Discography. You gotta check it out. It's really cool. And and Dave's got a Patreon and the whole nine yards. So, I mean, right now it's it's gotten to the point where I really think I've lost the plot in a sense. Um, that's a tanker of a goddamn water bottle. What's in that thing? Just water. Just water. Yeah, uh, your secret's safe with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it started with one show. We do the, the Sunday show once a week. We started November 1st, 2021. And when I say we, <clears throat> you listen to Nirvana, so you know I used to have uh, a co-host. Yes. <clears throat> so Joe and I started the show when when he realized, you know, really around the Velvet Underground episode, when Fantano brought on a slew of new listeners, it ceased to be just a hobby. And I started getting ideas that, hey, this this really could be something that we pursue. I've had a career for years, and I basically tossed it in the incinerator. I started editing and promoting all day, every day at work. Um, I have, I'm a licensed hearing instrument specialist, which I talk about on the show because I fit Bob. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm currently unemployed because I was just going to work eight and a half hours a day doing literally nothing but editing Bob's voice taking out all the ums, the uhs, trying to make him sound like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Marshall McLuhan or you know, <laughs> just trying to protect his the points he was giving, you know? Dropping all these Canadian bombs on me. This is great. <laughs> you dropped in a boot on me, so I owe it to you. <laughs> By the way, they're making a John Candy documentary. I, I saw Red that. Yeah. I saw I'm that. really excited for that. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Uh, good people doing it. It's Ryan Reynolds and right. uh, Colin Hanks. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. So I so I left my job. I'm currently unemployed. We're gonna. Uh, I have a wife and a three year old. I'm selling. We're selling our house. We're moving back to the East Coast uh, from where I initially hail, New Jersey. Uh, I have a house in Vermont as well, and we're gonna just live as inexpensively as possible. Because what's happened is Joe left the show and I decided the only way to kind of safeguard against the the unpredictable vicissitudes of this bizarre field where like I'm I'm getting over a thousand listeners a day, but somehow that's not yet monetizable, is having a Patreon. Except the only way for me to have a Patreon I feel good about is not to do like diarrhea cast-offs from the actual main show, but full, whole different shows. Yeah. Completely different shows. So two, uh, every Sunday is the main show. Then uh, if you're a $10 Patreon uh, pledger per month, you get the Thursday wild card show, which is either an interview with the guest from that Sunday or one of several different cast uh, spinoff shows that I have. Uh, Rock Cousteau, which is Barry Treasure. Um, Queasy Listening, about shitty records. Battle Royale, which is, you know, Debate Club all over again. Um, and One and Done, which is like Blind Faith. 
you know, just a, a quick thingamajig. And then if you want to go to the next tier, every Tuesday I have a show called The Private Press with Paul Major, which is just about private press records. And one of the reasons why I'm going back east is because we're turning that into a television show. Oh, wow. That's very cool. So we're going to hunt down these people and see, try to see, the and, and catfish style, just like Max and Neve, except it's me and Paul Major, going to these people's domiciles and trying to see the disparity between the psychedelic sage that they saw themselves 50 years ago, let's say, and then the world's best grandpa mug sipping uh, accountant that's sitting in front of me now, you know. Yeah. Um, so even if you don't like music, the human interest element is going to be compelling enough, I think. Oh wow! Well, good good luck with that. That sounds really fabulous. So in order to get all this shit done, I literally set my alarm for two thirty in the morning every day. Two thirty. What time do you go to bed? Like. Um, Nine or ten. Wow, that is uh, that is uh, admirable. I'm. I, this is. It, it started off meaning a lot to me, and 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 then besides my family, now it just means everything to me. So you've got Lou Barlow coming up. Yeah. In the next couple episodes. Um, next. Oh, three episodes. Wow. So there's there's going to be two uh, about the zombies. Yeah. And then the the third one is this. Amazing interview that that uh, that happened. It happened in the middle of the show. It just was extremely intimate and personal. I've read a lot of interviews with him, and it's the best one that I've been privy to. I was just lucky. Very cool. So we're looking for that one then for sure. Uh, any others that you want to tip your hand at? Hell yeah. Uh, all of November is going to be four episodes uh, with guest Jim Florentine from that metal show on Black Sabbath. Oh, that's spectacular. So that's going to be freaking staggering. And then in December, let's see, we have uh, Brett McKenzie from Flood of the Concords doing a private press record by a guy named Michael Farnetti. Uh, oh, we have, uh, I, this is already in the can. It's going to be either a double, I think it's going to be a double episode of Randy Randall from No Age doing Jesus Lizard. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's recorded. Uh, I'm going to, you know, uh, the banjo ambient guy, Andrew Tuttle? No. He's awesome. I'm going to, uh, we're, we're about to do one of him covering the monks. <clears throat> Damn. And uh, yeah, just I, the programming is all set until January, until the new year. Well, I can tell everybody who's listening, I can vouch for. You know, the Nirvana episode, the uh, Velvet Underground episodes, and of course, the fucking spectacular Pavement episodes. They are, uh, it's a six episode arc, and, uh, you know, they they look under every nook and cranny to get to songs. There, We, we won't give it away because you have to listen to it, but there's even a couple songs that Dave drops on Bob, and Bob's like, yeah, I don't remember that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and also I wasn't shy about you know telling him uh, you know there's stuff by them that I really don't like. Yeah, no, not a lot, not a lot. But you know, and I was nervous to say it. We've never. This is the only time I've ever had a guest talk about their own discography. 
it's always a guest talking about a different band. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, so that would that, that would have been that would have been strange for Bob in a way, I, I bet. But you made yeah. him feel like seemed to me that he was at ease, and yeah. you know he's easy to easy to talk to in the sense that you know you can ask him a question and then thirty minutes later, you know you can uh, ask him another question. He can he can <laughs> yeah. he can really go on a topic. He can. That's yeah. why you know when I realized how much stuff I had, we were constantly going off topic. <clears throat> That's what the Patreon stuff is like. Uh, you know, except for, I think, one episode where I had a the Spiral Stairs interview. Otherwise, it was just <clears throat> not not cast-off stuff, just off-topic. So, right. you know, really cool stuff, uh, but just it had nothing to do with the pavement records. There's one cool. coming out tomorrow, the, la- the last Patreon collection. Oh, cool. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you. You too. Yeah, we, good luck. We've been, with, trying to, we've been trying to get this together for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it would have been nice to get it, you know, in the in the middle of the series. But uh, hey, here we are. You know, the U.S. This tour, the, the U.S. tour just wound up. Your pavement series has wound up. So um, you know, it's uh, it's the end of an era. It is. You, what do you think? You think they're going to get back together? No, I, I don't think. I don't think. I so. think but I but I do sense another tour. I sense another tour. There, they, there's too many places that they didn't play in the U.S. Like it, it's, I th- I it's think a sparse they, tour. It, yeah, it was, and I believe that I was surprised at the brevity of it. But you know, what Bob said when we were talking about the hearing aids, which is what I'm, you know, just coming back to all the time when I'm thinking about this topic, is you know he's pretty sure that this is the last time he's going to be playing music on a stage. So it's time to take care of his ears. Without Bob, I mean, look, not that if they if you Bob plays a very interesting part in the band. Sure does. Because if you if you take him out of it, you still have generally the same songs. But but you don't have the band anymore. No, you definitely don't have the band. He's a wild card. He's he's this wild card that he can do all sorts of things. And Rebecca Cole on this tour as well has been a lovely addition. Like I think yeah. that that has been really amazing. Yeah. You know, to have to to fill out that space. Did you see them? Did you get to see any of the gigs? Yeah, I went to the show at the Fonda, like when they kicked off. And then I went to Portugal. And then I went uh, to two shows in Toronto. And then on Sunday, I'm flying to the UK and going to Scotland and and England to see five shows. Wow. Yeah. Are they going to, you should do a thing. You should do a special thing for the show, no? Yeah, uh, perhaps. Will they, I have, will they I let have... you live stream it or? No, I would never do that. No, I would never no. even, I would never even ask that. Uh I have massive uh, anxiety. Like I had backstage passes for both shows in Toronto and I couldn't use them. I didn't use them because I have such anxiety. Uh, I too am not working. And, uh, but for different reasons than you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm off on a mental health uh, leave. Talk um, to me, what happened? It's, it's just, I just massive depression and a yeah, major yeah. anxiety, major anxiety. I get it. I get it. Listen, I, I'll give you the bullet points for me, just so you know you're not alone. Uh, in a five-month period, starting in May 2019, I had three major surgeries, one for kidney cancer and two on my neck, one uh, here 
one in the back within 13 days of each other because the first one went south. I was oh. on disability for a year. I was on every drug under the sun. <clears throat> I'm in constant pain. My anxiety goes like this because along with, uh, you know, uh, hypoglycemia comes like a, a, a physiological panic attack that's unavoidable. Uh, so, oh, shit. yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I take antidepressants, but they really don't seem to be doing all that much. No, I've done it all. I've, I've done electromagnetic therapy. I've done electroconvulsive therapy. I've done uh, 32 different drugs at this point. Uh, it's been a fucking ride. How about, how about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems, to, it seems to soften the blow a little bit sometimes. Sometimes it goes in the other direction, right? I know for me that uh, sometimes... There's uh, generally it's like a feeling right here, like right here is where the anxiety exists for me, or sometimes in my chest. Yeah. And uh, you know when I smoke a little bit, it eases that, but sometimes it it makes you know makes your brain wander. Yeah, that the the edibles can be better uh, for that. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm pretty on board with that. I see those droopy lids. Are you cool if um, this stuff is in the podcast too? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't have talked about it, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I just want to make sure. I would never, you know, uh, throw it in. I don't do very much editing at all. Usually it's like... If it's uh, going up tonight, I'm expecting zero editing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a I, I have When you podcasts. told me that, I was like, fuck, I'm so jealous. Because I'm in there like with a fine-tooth comb... No, not you know, really. and, and, and actually, it dovetails with what we just talked about because when I edit that, I disappear. So I'll go down wormholes trying to, you know, smooth out transitions and stuff that are probably way too compulsive to, for anyone else to notice. I'll do some fade in and fade outs, but but for this podcast uh, where it's just me, you know, and I'm just sort of talking. Um, if I went back and edited it, I would never release an episode because I would be listening to what I'm saying and I would be like, no, that's, you sound too dumb in this sense. You, you, you know, like that's stupid thing to say, blah, blah, blah. Do so you mind me, do you mind me listening or listen? Do you mind me asking what the, um, your listenership is approximately? Um, like 3000. So not, nothing like per, what you've got. per episode. Oh, over, over time for sure. no, I would say what is three thousand? Oh, three thousand just people. Three thousand that... downloads. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, how was that not super impressive? I feel good. I feel great about it because this yeah, is always just, this good... is this was never meant to be, uh, you know, that, and it, it's turned out to be that. I've met lots of friends through it. Like when I go to the UK, I am, you know, uh, interacting with people and. Um, that's kind of, you know, well, actually, you, not kind where, of. It's where really are you neat. living? Where are you living right now? I live in Toronto. Okay. okay. Yeah. I hope we uh, are able to cross paths uh, one of these days. That would yeah, be nice. If you ever do, and you would probably have to really, the, the biggest band to ever come out of Canada is a band that never came out of Canada. And that's the Tragically Hip. 
if you ever do an episode on that band, the Tragically Hip, I would be glad. I had a I had a whole retrospective podcasts about the tragically hap cool so you know i could I actually uh, know nothing about them my taste in canadian music runs towards the uh lightfoot mitchell young variety yeah absolutely 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 but uh it it, with the the thing that would be fascinating to a lot of people is that this is a band that that would do a 30 date canadian tour uh playing in arenas like you know twenty thousand seat arenas across this country Every summer they would do a festival and it would have a hundred thousand people. And yet when they played in Buffalo, they'd be playing in a nightclub. What is the most, I'm swinging this around in a different direction. What is the most meaningful pavement song to you? The most meaningful pavement song to me. In other words, uh, the most impactful personally. Probably there's so there was a, a girl that I was completely in love with and she recommended Crooked Rain to me and I bought Crooked Rain and I remember listening to Gold Sounds mm-hmm. and, you know, the part about you're empty and I'm empty. Yeah. Uh, just always, like, it always, I always pictured that being her and I, you know, like uh-huh. in a really, this was, I, I was in like, college you know what i mean and it was it was uh um just one of those like crushy things and that made that song so important to me like when i hear it still i think about laura how how fucking funny is it that i had to defend the relative merits of that song to bob yeah yeah i didn't there was there was some like he's such a giant wowie fan and i was i was i was pleased to hear that you know, where I'm not going to give it away, but where it landed on your list, because that would be about where it lands on my list as well. It, uh, it has no, it, there's songs on it that are very meaningful to me, like Blackout and, and a bunch of others. Oh, but as a, as, as a whole, uh, I honestly, and, and Pavement fans want to kill me for this, some of them, but it, as a record, it really has, I have no connection to it. Wow. None. It's not, it's a shapeless, formless, it's like a, it's like a a cloud of gas. There's no, it's, I think it's very, I know it's the idea behind it, that it's, that it's an anti-sequencing sequence, but um, I don't think, I think it's a a shambolic mess in a way that, that detracts from it. No, but no, I think it's it's a fine record. It's a fine record, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't get a a spot on the Olympic podium, you know. For me, I think they. Something tells me that it's not just Bob. So, like, I would imagine that all the guys in the band have a you know good, warm, fuzzy feeling thinking about the recording of that record. Yeah, it sounds that way. I mean, that was the first, like, like really the first time they. Band, they they recorded as a band, you know, right. like the way Crooked Rain was record, recorded was so strange and you know almost as strange have, as. Have you had Gary on the show? No, I haven't. I've had everybody but Mark. I've had everybody oh, but really? Mark at this point. Yeah, how but, come um, not Mark? He's not on. He's not on Twitter and can't get a, can't get in touch with them really. So, you know, um, I, I haven't tagged him on everything. I didn't get a single response. Yeah, he he's he's the elusive Mark Eibold. So 
it's you know? interesting. Yeah. Me. I mean, I'm going to try and get some time to, with him. I would love to get inside that guy's head. I mean, how do you go from, uh, I mean, he was the only one, not the only one, but he had kind of the most, besides Stephen, the most substantive, uh, besides Stephen and Scott, the most substantive um, post-pavement career. I mean, to be in a, a a pretty killer iteration of Sonic Youth is, you know, I mean, he was in two epic, epoch-defining bands, yeah. and and now he works as a bartender, which is amazing to me. Why yeah. is he not, why is he, it seems like he could be uh, playing bass for somebody else. It sure does. I, I mean, I don't know if I could ask him that, but... Um... It, it sure would be going through my head. You could ask him that because what you're saying is you're, you're greater than your current choice of career would lead people to believe and you deserve, you know, more, more options or uh, there's a way to say that that's not insulting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to um, get to know you uh, in, in this way because um, up until the pavement, you know, the pavement, episodes i really started to get a sense of who you were you know what i mean like listening to the velvet ones um it, it wasn't quite the same you know um but i i, I think that that's a, an interesting sort of insight for a listener to have as they as they listen to your you know your opening descriptor right that you are going to go through every you know every band or recording artist ever um and go through their complete discography that's uh yeah. you know that's it's it's glib right like but it's like this is what you're gonna do like i have a but sense, I have a sense not, you're really gonna do it i'm really gonna do it so like sophie and stevens you know he released illinois and then he talked about he was going to release an album for every state that was just a ploy he never intended to actually do that my intention is to do this yeah um and it's you know, uh, what I'm utilizing now and what you picked up on is because I'm not the, a famous guy at the center of it, because I'm trying to sort of be an avatar for an everyman music, music listener. Yeah. Uh, the, the best thing that I can do to help people connect to the show is to give them a sense of the sort of reality show shenanigans going on behind the scenes, because there's a lot of shit going on, a lot of life changes, a lot of crazy hairpin turns. Uh, to get this thing made. So I'm becoming more transparent about that process. Yeah. I mean, you really went into it with Bob. Like, uh, yeah. you know, you really got into that. And I was just like, whoa, when you talked about leaving your job and, you know, and that, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing replaces the actual experience of listening to the episodes. I mean, that's right. I, I know the, the amount of work I put into it. Uh, and then when I listened back to it, you know, when I was doing quality control, <clears throat> if there was one moment, just one single moment where it either didn't sound like a perfect edit or it just didn't feel right, I would go back in and I would do a completely different bounce. It had to be perfect, um, which is one reason why I suffer from de depression is that the world is inherently an imperfect place. Oh, fuck. Is it ever? <laughs> Oh man, and I haven't even seen very much of it at this point. But uh, what, I'm, I'm getting that impression. I'm getting that impression. You mean just in terms of being well traveled? You sound more so than me. Oh well, 
Yeah. I mean, you're going to you're going to Scotland, you're going to the UK, you're going to you're all over the freaking place. Yeah, it's been a good year. It's been a fun year seeing this band. Yeah. They they really are a pretty special band. Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. I only saw them once uh on this leg. I saw them in 2010 with No Age opening for them, opening for Sonic Youth at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh. And then and then of course June 18th, uh 92, which was le- legitimately the best time I saw them. Yeah. The, yeah. The YouTube, uh, the audio from that shows up on YouTube, and they were really on fire that night. How did you? How did you end up there? Did you end up there? Um, like you had sought it out, or it was a yeah. night out? Oh, okay, okay. No, God, no. It was like we're going to see Pavement tonight, guys. In one weekend, I can't remember who opened for who, but in one weekend, I saw it was two bands on one night, two on the other. <clears throat> uh, Sebado, My Bloody Valentine, Pavement, Dinosaur Jr. That's like fucking Rushmore. I know. <laughs> Holy that shit! That was that was that was the best music weekend of my entire life. Wow! And all the bands were amazing. And it was 1992, so they were all at the top of their fucking game too. Do they do they cap the levels of THC that you're able to get in those things out there? Because these are like, yeah, yeah, like this one right here is ninety one percent THC. This one is eighty seven that I've got. Oh, that's high. Yeah, that, yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. Um, it's been good, and I've got a shop right on the corner, <laughs> right by my house. Nice. They have they have root beer, and it's <clears throat> it's it's like exactly root beer. It's the best root beer. So the other day, I lived beside a Dairy Queen as well. The other day, I went over and just bought some ice cream. Actually, it was so frustrating. They wouldn't give me just ice cream in a cup because I was like, put it in a cone, but put it in a cup. And they couldn't. And it was a big deal. That sounds I, like that scene in Five Easy Pieces. I had to I had to buy, pay for a blizzard with nothing in it. <laughs> so I was do, you like, know, do you know the scene I'm talking about? No. Don't. No. Okay. So there's a, one scene in a film from 1970 produced by uh, or directed by uh, Bob Rafelson, who just passed away and created the monkeys. <clears throat> so after he killed off monkey, the monkeys with the movie Head, he went on to become, uh, you know, to change the face of cinema. I mean, he, uh, he, he produced Easy Rider. He directed Five Easy Pieces. In Five Easy Pieces, there's a scene where you literally see Jack Nicholson, the star, becoming the star. Like, the way that Jack Nicholson... <clears throat> like that thing that he does is born in this one scene uh, about that centers on substitutions at a diner, like substituting chicken salad sandwich, uh, the bread. <laughs> you lo- you would love it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Oh, I'll watch. The, <clears throat> I'll, I'll just watch the movie. That's a, it's a must see. The movie's amazing. Oh, very good. Well, Dave, I got a jolt. Um, I got a hot date with my wife. Nice. So uh, it's been fucking fantastic talking to you. And, fantastic and, talking to you too. And again, where can people uh, get more information about everything you do? Well, you can. Uh, my recommendation, if you're on Facebook, is definitely to become uh, a fa- a uh, soldier of sound, which is our Facebook group, the Discography Soldiers of Sound. You get updates on all the shows. Obviously, you know, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter too, but this is more interactive because it's a group. 
but we have a link tree, uh, link tree with a dot after the R slash discography. Um, that's every episode on every platform. The website's discography.com. Um, if you uh, want to take a real deep dive and, you know, have music coming at you from all sides at all hours of the day, become a Patreon member. <clears throat> um, and then last but not least, just started a GoFundMe to get the show on the road with this TV, this TV show. So you can find the discography GoFundMe as well. Cool. I'm, I'm impossible to not contact if you want to contact <laughs> me. <laughs> well, it's been great that you made time to uh, talk some pavement with us. And uh, it's been great uh, getting to know you a bit. So you too. Be the well. Droopier, the droopier your eyelids get, the more I want to actually stay on this call. Are they really droopy? Yeah, but I mean, so are mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's every, every, time, every time you hit this thing, you just... <laughs> that's par for the course no you know it's funny i i don't do uh the video uh because no i don't I, either i just i just do this when i'm interviewing somebody so that i can see them so that it. so that i have that i can have that connection you know um that's the only reason i do it this way but i know it's strictly audio i don't want to edit video <laughs> so is there any uh you know i've, I've always been apprehensive about using video because i feel like maybe there's a possibility it would pull from the audio signal. I don't want to compromise the audio or maybe it's completely disparate and separate. It is. Yeah. It's totally. It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, man. JD, you're a great, in case you haven't heard it from your wife or anyone else, you seem like a great guy. Keep up the good work. No matter how we feel about things, we're typically doing better than we feel. Wise words.
There's Bob, you know, giving you the discography uh, breakdown. He does it all, that fucking guy. He does it all. Bob, if you're listening, you're the fucking best, man. Listen, it's been great fun today uh, in this extravaganza. That's what I'm calling it. I'm calling it an extravaganza. Or is it extravaganza? I, I don't even know. But that's what I'm calling it because we had not one, but two fucking guests. Have we ever done that? Is there an official statistician of meeting Malcolmus? I don't think there is. But if there were, they would have that at their fingertips. Uh, multiple guest episodes. I'm also thinking this is encroaching on the longest episode that we've ever done, uh, which is sort of fun, right? You know, that's uh, that's the kind of fun that I have these days. I'm debating right now. Do I go out for beer tonight or do I, do I not? Um, I'm sort of thirsty for beer. So I'm leaning toward the beer train. Um, I've recently started drinking more stouts and, uh, well, I don't need to bore you with that, but, um, I'm really looking forward to the UK trip. I hope to see you there. We'll have a lot of fun. I promise. Uh, until then, uh, I'll report back with, uh, some more UK news and the tour. Wash your goddamn hands. Meeting Malcolm's is a weekly affair and is a production of Duver Podcasts and Such. Rate, review, share, and sponsor at meetingmalchemist.com. Connect with JD at jd at meetingmalchemist.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me everywhere at meetingmalchemist. Duvra! Podcasts and such. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.